Hello and welcome to the Wagtails podcast. My name is Megan Corcoran and I'm the director of the Wagtail Institute. In this podcast, I invite some pretty cool people to come and have a conversation with me on all things trauma, healing, education and well-being. I started this podcast as I realized some of the biggest learning that has happened in my career has been through meeting really great people that are working in the field and having great conversations with them. In this episode, I'm joined by Tim Warwick, the founder of the Education Equity Alliance. In this episode, we talk about all things to do with equity in the Australian education system, and we really dive deep into what it takes to create systems change and using system tools to dive deeper into our thinking about such a complex issue. It's a very rich discussion, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it. All right, welcome to the ninth episode of the Wagtails podcast. I'm joined by a special guest, Tim Warwick, this afternoon, um, who I've haven't known as long as a lot of the other guests, actually. Mm. We met last year mm. uh, when we were supporting some Teach for Australia associates mm. when they're entering their journey into the teaching profession. Yeah. Uh, so welcome, Tim. Thanks, Megan. Great to be here. I'm excited to talk. Very excited to have you here. Um, so, Tim, would love to just hear a little bit about who you are. Who is Tim at this present time? Tim. Tim's a Queenslander, um, currently living in Victoria and has lived here most of the last decade. So that means I complain about the weather lots. Um, <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah, still. It's not old. Um, but beyond that, um, I, I moved to Victoria at the end of my undergraduate degree to do the Teach for Australia program myself um, and got placed in Shepparton, so northern Victoria, Um, And that was the beginning of an amazing adventure into education. Mm. Um, Being really upfront, um, I had studied law as my undergrad and was kind of pretty on the corporate path and had plans. But I was like, oh, I'll go do this teaching thing for a couple of years, have that experience. I thought it'd be fun and and I'd learn lots about the world. Um, but I very quickly realized that education is where it's at and mm. the process of kids learning and um, discovering things for themselves and discovering what they're passionate about is just like so energizing. Um, and I also just think it's bloody hard, like being a really disciplined teacher, a really skilled teacher is like an art. Yeah. And you meet those teachers and I've I was very fortunate early on to be mentored by a couple of incredible teachers. Um don't that is not to say that they are uh, I got all nearly close to their their skills, but um I was fortunate to see that in action and it's such an impressive, amazing thing. And yeah, I've I've been on the education train since then and uh, don't plan on getting off it, I guess, Um, because I just think it's yeah so incredible and so wonderful. But so that's what I've been been doing for the last 10 years in various different roles. And um, yeah, now now really passionate about equity, which I think we're going to talk a bit about today. We definitely will be talking about equity today. I'm kind of curious, actually, because I feel like we both have been in education probably around the same amount of time. Mm. Like I was 12 years in schools mm. um, and it sounds like we've both sort of ejected ourselves out of the mm. actual direct school environment to work on things now. Um, so I'm curious about that, that part of the journey for you. Yeah. What's made you exit being in the school to yeah, now yeah. do what you're doing? Yeah, well, I'd start by saying I miss it every day I do as well I miss the kids so much (laughs) yeah you get so much energy from them Mm -hmm. so much inspiration um so yeah I find that really hard part yeah um there was some really yeah a few phases of tough kind of decision making I 
um, quite early in my teaching career, ended up in a leadership role. So I moved into a deputy role at a primary school, which was incredible. And then after a couple of years of that, was in the principal role for a couple of years. Um, that all happened and it was great and I loved it. And I was, um, it was, I grabbed it with both hands, I would say, but um, it wasn't the plan. Like I didn't really <laughs> it, like, and, it, and I guess I got to the point where, um, again, just like being a, a really expert teacher is, is an art, being an expert leader of a school. Um, I have huge, um, admiration for people doing that role, doing that now with mm. some of the challenges that schools face. Um, and I had to make a decision about whether I was in the position personally at that stage of my life to be able to give of myself in that way because um, it is one of the things I think we need to reckon with as a system how much it asks. But anyway, I made the decision in that time um, that I ne- I wanted to kind of press pause on that adventure. Mm. I was really proud of of where the school had gotten to um, it was an amazing school community really diverse but also um, facing some considerable challenges in terms of um, the the outside kind of factors in the in the community around disadvantage and poverty um, and worked with an incredible bunch of, of teachers and leaders to kind of really um, develop a collective vision as a community of what we wanted school to be Um, and we pursued that really hard for for a couple of years and and we saw great results and and I felt like it got into a point with an amazing team um, that that I knew would continue that that great work and and I felt like it was a good time for me to kind of step away from that Um, and so yeah that was that was when I stepped out of of schools that was after eight or nine years gone it's all a blur now yeah um and then yeah did some work for the department of education here in victoria for a year um on some um place-based work around improvement within the the wider community and education um in that town um that was really interesting learned a lot about how the system works um and yeah i I guess i got to the point where I, i wanted to pause reflect I was incredibly fortunate to kind of be able to take that time um, to kind of step away I, I disappeared to tropical cans for a year <laughs> um, and just if you followed my Instagram you'd think I just swam in waterfalls all the time which is not far off it <laughs> um, sorry everyone um, but just wanted to really think about my motivation and and kind of where I saw myself best placed to kind of support um, as part of the system, which has yeah, led to the Alliance work I'm doing now. Yeah, fascinating journey. Um, mm. And I'm really glad that you pressed pause and you've created the Alliance because I think the Alliance is going to be uh, presenting us with some pretty interesting and important work moving forward as well. Mm. Um, so would you like to tell us a little bit about what the Alliance is? Yeah, sure. So it's called the Education Equity Alliance. And um, I guess in that pausing and reflecting space, I recognise that we had been doing really... Um, innovative work in our school community to meet the needs of that community, um, as are, were a number of schools in our area, but also a number of colleagues I had all around the state and other places. And, and I had this sense that there's great work happening to kind of make our system more equitable within our classrooms, within our schools and across our system. Um, and then also you've got these students that are grappling with that and are mm. trying to achieve equitable outcomes for themselves. But there's not a space for everyone to come together 
and work towards change. And one of the biggest challenges we have is there's certainly not a space where students and teachers can really be part of that. Mm. Um, at this point of time, um, I'm sure lots of people listening have, have heard about the challenges around teacher well-being and, and student well-being as well. Um, we've got, yeah, really significant um, challenges occurring. Um, and part of that, from what I'm hearing, is around their sense that they have a say, that they have, that they're empowered around what's happening in their education. Um, so very purposely, we kind of, I just kind of built this network of amazing others, leaders and, and teachers and students and system stakeholders to, to try and um, look at what would a space look like and feel like that where we could bring those, all those stakeholders together um, to really purposefully work towards systems change. Um, mm. There's certainly a purpose to kind of getting together and getting off our chest all the hard things about what we're doing in classrooms and schools right now. It's part of it. And, yep. um, but, but then how do we harness that mm. and how do we harness all the good stuff, all the strengths of, of what kids and teachers are doing every day to really purposefully impact systems change and and. Yeah, I could go in lots about the methodologies underpinning that and all that kind of stuff. But but that at its heart is what we're seeking to do is is create this this empowered kind of community um, and these really purposeful spaces to work towards that. Yeah, love that. Um, and I think often when we hear or we talk about systems change, it can sound really scary. Like mm. I actually, I often feel frustration about the system and mm. that's also influenced my decisions, what I'm doing, why I mm. stepped away too. Um, and often, yeah, systems change can sound like this big, scary thing that we don't often feel like we have influence over. Mm. Um, so I'm sort of curious about how you feel about the term systems change and how you're sort of leaning into that and allowing others to lean into it as well. Yeah, it, that's a great point. And um, I think we're like, we're really early in our journey. It's like six months in. And I would say the people that have been engaging right now are the early adopters of the early adopt uh, of the early adopters. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd really encourage it's It's a great provocation to think about that as a barrier because yeah, it probably does sound really abstract. It sounds really big. Like, this because our system is complex like but it's also really inspiring like we need to oh yeah need sure to we need systems. to get there yeah. and i guess i guess yeah to get to that i think what my own personal journey engaging in that work is like there's really powerful tools that you can use to engage in systems thinking that actually like we ran a pilot last term where we got together lots of students and teachers to spend a full day doing this and it made these big, huge challenges that are having such a toll every day in classrooms actually feel manageable because it allowed mm. you to kind of zoom out and then drill down mm. into what are the specific things that are really the structures and the mental models that are underpinning those really kind of painful, hard incidents that mm. we're, we're facing every day in, in the classroom. It, and then what we kind of can do is we can identify the, the points of greatest impact. And, and I think that's, that's a hopeful thing. That's mm. uh, if we get to the point where we identify this really critical mental model, let's say it's about what a good student is. What is a good student? And, and I, the reason I say that is, and I guess it motivates my journey too, like in that reflecting time, I really came to see 
that the students that I was working with every day often, and the ones I was working with every day as a deputy and, and principal were mm. the ones with the, the biggest challenges and, yep. and lots going on for them outside of school that meant just the walking through the gates was an achievement. Yeah. And we were then taking them on this journey of education and it was bloody hard for them. Mm-hmm. And they were feeling that every day and, and expressing that in their behaviour, in whether that was big behaviours and destructive behaviours or whether that was shutting down or running away. And they would experience that often over years. Mm-hmm. And we would never acknowledge it. Like... Because I don't think we had the language to. I didn't have the language to. I didn't feel comfortable to. I knew how hard it was for them. I knew how hard it was for us in trying to Mm. meet those needs and do that work. But we didn't acknowledge any of that. And systems thinking and systems change actually allows you to kind of sit in that moment and then drill right down into what is going on as a system for that young person mm. in that moment. And and I think, again, having having done our early work and the, and the pilot, I think what will come out in, in instances like that is that that gets down to what we expect of students and really that, that mental mm. model of what is a good student, mm. what is a student that is ready and willing to learn and, and is teachable mm. um, and... What is the role of a teacher? Mm-hmm. And these are hard questions. Don't get me they're wrong. They're huge questions. They're huge questions. Yep. They're hard questions. And they're gonna, there's going to be lots of different feelings about that. But possibly, given the level of kind of crisis that our system seems mm-hmm. to be in, mm-hmm. they're probably the conversations we need to be having. Yep. Because, Again, what systems engaging in this thinking and being empowered in this thinking allows you to see is that just dealing with that at the policy level, like how to, we've got lots of policies about how to meet the needs of these students. Yeah, yeah. But if they're, if we're not addressing that underpinning that is this deep conflict around what a, a good student is, what a good teacher is, well, those policies going to have a tough time mm, yeah and i think we're They're seeing it. i think we, i think we're seeing a bit of that yeah yeah maybe more than a bit but i'll let other people <laughs> decide that yeah yeah no but they're huge questions to really ponder and think about mm. um, i'm curious because i know you've like you're in the early stages but you mm. have been engaging students so far as well mm. um i'm really curious about what that experience has been like like what are you observing when students come into this space uh, to talk about equity yeah um I don't I'm not I don't think I'm overhyping it. I think they love it. Yeah. Like I think they don't feel like they've had the opportunity to talk about it. Um I don't they like we we've um prioritized in that early phase of the work doing um these sessions with alternate learning centers. So obviously the the students in these non-mainstream settings that probably have had quite challenging experiences within mainstream schools, um, and like the the reflection of one of those those young people at the end of the first session on what he liked about the session, he put on his feedback form. We got to talk about the things that go unsaid, mm. and 
my hunch, my hope going into all this, like there's a lot of amazing work from the States around critical consciousness and mm. and the power and purpose of these kind of um, engagements with young people. And what that would say is that allowing students to explore their experience of education and acknowledging the, the inequity and the barriers that, that they can face is a really empowering and healing um, experience if you create kind of the right space for it yeah. and the productive space for it. Yep. And and I think for those students in that setting, I think it felt like that for them. They were able to acknowledge all of these things that have been hard um, and then it allowed us to kind of t- turn that to, okay, well, you're here today. Despite all of these experiences, there was a student in that room who had been to 17 schools. Mm. Like, and he was still in a room in a school. Yeah. Like, that is incredible to me. Yeah. Like, that that is amazing. I'm not saying we should expect that of our young people. But no, it is, that, that's incredible because that is, is so much rejection in a yeah. young person's journey. Yeah. And he was there. And we were able to have this conversation about how, like, how did you mm. go from those barriers to being here right now? Because that is an, a huge achievement. Yeah. And yeah, they identify these incredible things about like hope and and they're just their belief in themselves and mm. and, and people that have played um, such important roles. And again, this is like anyway, I find all this area impactful because it's the power of yeah. what we do and yep. the power of education. Um, so yeah, they they have engaged with it so fully, and then and then we've done it in quite different contexts where the students are probably from relatively more advantaged backgrounds, but they've also loved it because students, I don't know, they are deeply empathetic, interested human beings. We haven't mm-hmm. destroyed that in them yet. <laughs> it's so <laughs> Sorry. true. Yeah, no, young but people. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, adults. Um, <laughs> but they, like, they, yeah. Anyway, they, I did it at this one kind of very, let's say, middle class college. And and their understanding was relatively constrained to begin with because you know what you know. You know yeah, the you world. Yeah, you see what you see. You're part yeah. of Entirely yep. fair. Entirely yep. valid. And so for them, over the numbers I've now worked with these kids four or five times and there it's just incredible to and so I feel very privileged to be part of it because I literally see their eyes opening mm. as the time goes like as they learn more and more about our system yeah and and alongside that they are more and more committed to the reason I've seen them four or five times I thought I was probably two and out but I've seen them four or five times because they don't want to they're part of the alliance now they want to see this mm. change and and I think there's a few more of them probably out there too, and which is pretty exciting. But yeah, um, yeah they and so yeah, there's a lot of uh, as you would know. There's lots of um, talk and and it's like buzzwordy student voice yeah. at the moment. Great, important. Yeah. But like real genuine yeah, it's student be authentic voice. Though, like, yeah. yeah. What are you and doing I, with student voice? Yeah. yeah. And I would say like uh, I don't I don't even really want to be in the student voice space. Like we're at least agency. Um, yeah. Possibly, I think there's developmentally spaces beyond that too, where yeah. they might really drive the change. But 
but we'll see we'll see where it takes us and um yeah it's pretty pretty cool though it is cool and it's so good that you're you're involving everyone at that systems level like it obviously at the core it's their students accessing the service that is you know that is actually in an equitable service um and i'm just aware as well we're using a lot of terms here that i don't want to assume that everyone listening is really clear about oh no 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 (laughs) (laughs) no i not at all it's just me like having a little moment of reflecting uh, just around the term like equity and inequity as well like i feel like really important for people to really know what we're talking about yeah they might be kicking back thinking about equality (laughs) yes good okay good point all right obviously something i'm passionate about so yeah we've got to understand equity um as within the education space and it probably is even though it again is one of those words that probably does get thrown in a lot Mm. we have we have the alice springs declaration which talks about us being an excellent and equitable education system nice great um but we definitely like having now consulted oh it's like over 150 different stakeholders around all this. Like, we do not, unfortunately, have a shared understanding mm. of, of what we're working towards as in, in terms of an equitable education system. So um, we've been really informed by a definition from an academic named Parsi Salberg, who's fantastic, and, and, and um, a colleague of his, Trevor Cobold, and it talks about kind of like a two-pronged definition of equity which is about both on the individual level all students having access to an adequate education so you'd have some measure around that in terms of getting to some completion point or something like that yeah and then very importantly equity of outcomes from a social group um, perspective so basically there not being a correlation between student background and um outcomes and Mm. so that you would be able obviously we're not saying all students this is what's and this is where the equality part is really important we're not saying equality of outcomes we're not saying all students need to achieve the same yeah we're saying that there's always going to be a span of outcomes a range of outcomes but the range of outcomes for the average i guess and and ultimately the range of outcomes should be the same across social backgrounds yeah currently as a system, we are incredibly far from that. And critically, it is getting worse, mm. not better. So at the end of last year, the Productivity Commission released a report on um, the the most recent National School Reform Agreement, which is what kind of oversees, one, the distribution of education funding between um, the federal and state governments, but also a number of important reform initiatives. So it reviewed the last one which is going to end at the end of next year. It's been extended. But anyway, um, like that agreement is like $320 billion agreement. Mm. Anyway, the Productivity Commission found that despite more money than ever before being spent on education in Australia, outcomes for the most disadvantaged students got worse. Mm. The gap in outcomes between um, the most advantaged students and the most disadvantaged had grown over the term of that agreement. So... A recent analysis by Grattan Institute found looking at year nine reading results on NAPLAN from last year um, found that on average um, year nine, the most advantaged kind of year nine students, and that's based on family, background and occupation, they were um, five years on average ahead Mm. of the most disadvantaged students 
by year nine and that that gap has one grown over a number of years and two also just literally kind of grows as you go through school so Mm. at at year three the gap is still two years which Mm. anyway so the gap starts early but gets worse Mm. so obviously there's multiple intervention points at the moment and like i want to preface all of this with saying there are tens of thousands of people across our system and across all layers of our system working incredibly hard to make that better. Mm. Um, I have school leader colleagues, teacher colleagues. Yep. I have, there's, there's amazing organisations and amazing education departments doing really innovative things. Yep. The challenge we face, though, is that at this point that inequity is stuck within our model of education. Yeah. We have no evidence that we are bringing it unstuck. Yeah. So that has been, I guess, a key motivation of the Alliance is being like, well, we need to engage in the type of thinking around what can cause it unstuck. And we welcome all people to come on that journey if they're, they're passionate and, mm. and wanting to engage with it. And, and certainly we're doing um, lots of, of talking and outreach to, to the system capital S system yep. um, as we go. Yep. Yeah, huge, like a lot there. I'm curious, have there been any hints or insights around what causes <clears throat> the gap to get so big by year nine? Yeah, great question. Um, it was really interesting kind of working with the students to identify the key barriers because so much of the conversation around equity in Australia and Australian education comes down to money. Yeah. There's a huge focus. And we literally, in Victoria at least, have equity funding. Like, Mm. (laughs) the money is meant to be the thing that will deliver the equity. Mm. And students certainly identified that discrepancies around resources Mm. can be a barrier, can be a factor. Disturbingly, I think for Australia, being a wealthy country, they talked frequently about not having basic supplies. Mm, Yeah, I saw that in some of your reports. That being a barrier to belonging. Now, I know that is a reality. I led a school where I would have young people that would come in in the morning and as soon as they got in the classroom door, flick off their shoes because they were too small for their feet. So they they couldn't wear their shoes all day. Like, I get it. I've I've seen it and known it. But like, the students are also aware of it. And I guess I'd be numb to it. Like, because yeah, that was what I was surrounded see, by. Yeah. We were normalised. Yeah. And that just really, meeting basic needs. Yeah. We have, what, one nearly one million young people living in poverty in this country. Anyway, mm. I'm not going to rant any more about this, but it, I guess it's the point is that it is also a bigger issue and that we need to address that as a society. In terms of then what's happening in classrooms, I guess what that connected to, and this was a much more wide-ranging theme, was around, really was about their sense of belonging, mm. their sense of connectedness, their fe- sense of being seen in the classroom, and and then ultimately that they're need- feeling as if their needs are going to be met. Mm. And, and really quite consistently, the vast majority of barriers that young people identified boiled down to that. And then obviously the journey and the work of, of the Alliance and, and is to kind of dig down even deeper into, well, what's what's underpinning that? Mm. But I, I think the other thing that that's interesting about that to me is that a lot of the conversation about reform of our system focuses on better quality of teaching. Yeah, from the like, instructional element. Yeah. Right? yeah. And... 
that wasn't what came to the front so far. Yeah. Like, and so curious for me. I'm really curious about where this is all going. And, and I do really like, again, having led a a school in a community like that, it was our, our order of priorities Mm. was the learning environment Mm. and, and engagement. And, Mm. and then that as the enabler for really rigorous teaching and learning. Mm. I think we need to make sure as a system that that there's there's those things are not separated. Yeah. They are deeply connected. And yeah. I think and I think students are possibly pointing us towards that. Yeah. Um and then the other thing that I think gets talked about a lot at the moment especially because we're in a well-being crisis is around student well-being and and them just yet yeah, being in this incredibly poor state of their mental health which i agree with to an extent i Mm. think um students were not identifying that they were not getting supports with their mental health they they were identifying much more i would say universal kind of contributors to feeling well feeling safe feeling a sense of belonging um which i think is interesting because i think a number of policy initiatives in that space are very individualised. They're about intervening specifically for specific students about their 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 immediate mental health needs, and and there's a there's an element of pathologising there, mm. which I think is interesting um, yep. to explore. This yeah. is so interesting to me. The reason I'm like I'm like mm. sort of surprised where this all came out, and I'm going to go on a tangent here. Go. Um, but all of my master's work, I honed in right on belonging. Like I looked yeah. at belonging for young people experiencing disadvantage, trauma, and living in out of home care, mm. and how that could actually. I was kind of almost flipping Maslow's like hierarchy. Sure. Um, to say if we can meet the belonging need, then the motivation to meet the other needs comes over time for that person, and they can kind of get yeah, a little wow. bit out of the system. Relying yeah. on system services like welfare systems to yeah. provide everything else for them and then become motivated to meet their own need over time. Um, and I wanted all policies and all things like in out-of-home care to really respond to that and to be like, we need to make sure every decision we make for a young person, like belonging is the first consideration we make and then we choose everything else from there. Yeah. And so I'm sort of starting to see that like students are saying the same thing about their schooling experience. So like, if we can get the belonging element right then collectively we can probably move forward on the learning journey yeah. together as well. Yeah. I I think we are possibly hearing that. And and I keep saying possibly, not to be vague, but in the point of the alliance is that it is led by the students yeah. and teachers. And we're not at the we're not at the step in the process of nailing down this is specifically what needs to change about the of system course. now. Because yep. it's gonna be a slow process, lots of journey. Well but also we have we have experts we have amazing people doing running specific kind of programs and interventions for schools we've got mm. lots of that this yeah. is the the point of the alliance is to be something different in terms of mm. empowering students and and teachers to to lead the change that they they immediately kind of need to see and and that will then draw in those those really important pieces of work um so yeah, we, we've kind of got some initial themes and the next phase of the work is we're getting even more teachers and students and, and stakeholders involved to kind of keep testing and refining and, and doing that digging deeper. But that is why I'm couching. Yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, trying, yeah. To be, I'm not trying to be vague. <laughs> yeah. Can I say one other thing? Sorry. Yeah, no, you can say as um, much as you like. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stress because like um, 
obviously what the students are identifying is really important. They want to feel that sense of, of belonging. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that necessarily. There's, there's really important research and, and practice behind that. But I guess what we're identifying is that there's a disconnect between that kind of at a system level, we would say, yeah, relationships are important. That would be in policy mm. documents all over the land. Um, but what we're hearing is that that that's not that straightforward. That it oh, is it's not, not what it's, it's so complex. It's incredibly, and your work yeah. is all about this. Um, and I think what's really important to recognise is that, and what we're hearing from teachers, and there's there's a teacher said at one stage during the process, like. The students are putting this on us to make this better, but we're feeling like we can't because of these policies and, and, mm. and practices that we're meant to be implementing. And and I think what I'm hopeful for is is there is a disconnect mm. and there probably are competing priorities. As a oh, system, sure. we're trying to change a number of things. Yeah. And I think we need to do some navigating of that mm. to be really clear about how we how we most effectively enable that that kind of that core role of of the teacher and the student to kind of be meeting each other well that's right it's it's like those big questions you you mentioned Mm -hmm. at the start you know what is the teacher's role yeah um right now the way it looks like they have massive workloads they've got jam-packed curriculum to like get through they don't have a lot of time to be spacious and slow and and aware of all the all the factors that would make the student experience like optimal as well yeah It's, it's it's a tough gig it's a really tough gig yeah yeah, we yeah, bulk respect, <laughs> bulk respect, yeah. and, and yeah, I know I'm not there on the tools right now, and and that drives me crazy. I have itchy hands, mm. but um, I I am endeavouring to to kind of create spaces where we can make that easier and better. Well, that's because the thing. I mean, you're doing very important work. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, sure. we could all stay in the system forever and just like you know do what we can on that level. But I think it's um you know it's going to take people well, like I you think... and the alliance that you can collate together mm. to mm. to really move this forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're hearing a lot of people talk about the need for the system to change, but no one really knows what that means or what that looks like. And I know, yeah, it's gonna it's it's a journey. It's going to take a, a while to get that right. Yeah. And if we can make sure that student and teacher voices and agency at the core of that then that would be amazing mm. That'd be, i think beneficial to everyone yeah definitely definitely i'm curious as well are you looking at um young people that have recently left the education system yeah we had a couple that in, engaged in the um kind of first social lab that we did um yeah important and yeah i, I guess we at this stage we if anyone wants to be part of it <laughs> you can be part of it like we're about to to um, have a real focus around family as well. Mm. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the, the work will be much richer and, and we'll be able to kind of really clearly identify what's happening in the system Yeah. from a systems change, systems thinking kind of perspective by getting as many of course. Um, inputs as possible. So, yeah. The yeah. reason I just asked that question was I th- I'm aware when I'm in a system, I'm not always aware of what the system is feeling like and looking like until I get out and then I can reflect and be aware of what, what I what I felt and what, what actually yeah. happened for me as well. Yeah, and I'm sure. sort of curious about students who have just recently sort of left and they can now see what's going on or reflect I on that I think it's experience. really important to have both. Yeah, like, oh, for sure. Yeah, and I know you're not saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're definitely aiming for like, yeah, both of those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, So you're missing the students, obviously. 
Yes. Missing being in the classroom, yes. missing being in leadership as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I definitely love working with teachers. Like I saw my um, job. <laughs> I, I'm juggling because I'm like, mm, I wonder if my teachers that I <laughs> led are going to agree with this, what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, because I think I was pretty annoying sometimes. But um, I, I saw my job as a leader to make their job easier but mm-hmm. and more purposeful to make sure that they were getting out of their work that incredible joy that comes yeah. with teaching yeah. like that really was my goal um as a leader i i think it was really hard to achieve that goal at times and mm. i don't miss that part mm. like as a school leader and i think this is a real challenge they face currently they have a lot of masters and that is one of their priorities but that Unfortunately, they they do have priorities that probably are in conflict with that. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's on them to kind of navigate that. And lots of them do it and do an amazing job of it. But like, let's call it for what it is. That's a hard task. Like you've got the education departments telling you one thing. You've got families on the phone telling you another thing. You've got an angry student telling you one thing and you've got your teachers and and there's be lots of people I'm forgetting there. But um, that's complex work and it's it's pretty overwhelming um so yes i miss the that kind of direct work that you get to do with with teachers um and and with young people as a leader and i think being a school leader you have amazing kind of agency within your school community um and it's such an important job it can be such a rewarding job just as being a teacher is such an important job and yeah, I, I do miss that part and, mm. and you're missing that sense of connection in a community. Yeah, yeah I was just curious about it because it's something that's coming up for me a lot recently as well yeah. where I'm just really reflecting on that time uh, yeah. working leadership in a school as well. Yeah. Um, but you, do you did get itchy touch on, hands too? I do, I do. <laughs> but at the same time, I do. Like you mentioned it sort of earlier as well. It's just the, like what we expect of people in those roles as well. Um, yeah, and I, you can... You can do it for a period of time, but you're very aware of what, what it's taking from you as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so I miss it, but I also, yeah, think that even just for the leaders in the system as well, that there's a lot that needs to shift for their benefit so yeah. that they can actually be as effective as possible and still have quality well-being at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I was curious yeah. about your experience with that. Yeah. Can I just, it's making me think of this piece of work that I've been looking at recently that is really inspiring. Um, and it's by, it's... I'm sure there's a number of people working on it, but um, the way I came through it, it came to it was through the Collective Change Lab, which is a US organisation, but does do some work in Australia. Mm. Um, it's led by an academic called John Kania, among among others. And um, they are talking about um, taking this lens to the system of systemic trauma. Mm. So looking at what is happening and we've talked about many examples of it today so that that yeah. student in that moment um who i'm i'm demanding does better and gets back into that classroom and does more learning despite not having slept in a bed the night before or coming to school with an empty stomach yeah um their kind of trauma they're experiencing within mm. a system that's asking so much of it and then it kind of zooms out to the point where you get to 
there's so many instances of that trauma occurring within that system. There's the intergenerational impact of what's mm. probably happening for some of those families, including mm-hmm. our Indigenous ones and their experience of education over time. Um, and then also there's the practitioners. There's that, it, like, ultimately what I've come to realise is that took a toll on me. Mm. Asking that of students every day, not recognising it, not engaging with it, demanding it and and knowing that god in that moment was it the was that really the priority Mm. um and having to do that day after day after day and teachers having to kind of perform these roles within classrooms where you can feel like you're you're failing to meet the needs of your young people because you're pulled in all these directions Mm. it then kind of builds and builds to this to this point where there is this trauma sitting within the system of how the system is currently working and so there's that part and then in terms of change part of the system's change work is collective healing so how do we Mm. we we have to and and what we know about healing obviously is we have to acknowledge that like Mm. and that is part of our motivation in bringing creating spaces where we can have students explore their experiences have teachers and school leaders explore their experiences come together and acknowledge those experiences together like that is a healing space Mm. and um that's hard for a system to do, obviously, yeah. to cultivate collective healing. But yeah, especially while it's still in a crisis. Yeah, in the yeah. thick of it. Mm. But we've got to like, we we can keep chasing our tails and and going deeper into the crisis, or we can find some moments of collective healing. Mm. And and I think there's some conversations to be had and and some spaces to find ourselves in and. Yeah, I just wanted, I don't know, I was thinking about in terms of us talking about the, the, the these jobs are hard. Yeah. These jobs are hard. And I yeah. think, I think. And those decisions are hard and the pressure is hard. Yeah. Well, There's feel, so many things going on that influence I, what, what yeah. action you took in that moment with that yeah. student. Yeah. Those yeah. decisions are hard. The decisions yeah. to leave that situation are hard that yeah. we've talked about today. Like, yeah. And, and I think that's part of what's going on for teachers and leaders that are leaving at the moment yeah yeah and i think not enough of the there's a really important conversation happening around well teacher well-being and and Mm. principal well-being and workload and and workload is a really important part of that but Mm. there's something deeper Mm. Mm -hmm. like there's there's something deeper to that too and yeah it's really kind of but that, that work, I really encourage. I, can, I don't know, we can link it or something. Yeah, but please send through the link. It's a cool piece of work. Yeah, and yeah. really, I think it's been very inspiring and motivating. Yeah. yeah, no, please share it. I'd love to dive into it. Mm. Yeah. Um. So we're getting pretty close to the end of our time together. It flies when we're in here. It does fly. God, yeah. I can obviously rant. So Yeah, yeah you but found. feel free. Is there any other tangents, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> any other tangents you want to uh, go no, down? No, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, I did warn you that at the end, I always ask people five Great. questions. All right. Um, they're kind of a little bit, oh, I mean, like some are serious, some are a little bit fun. Okay. Um, but just go with your gut answer. So try okay. not to overthink too much right. and just share what you feel comfortable to share. Um, so the first one is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to be a teacher. You did. I legit did. And then you I'm studied not law. That. Well, because, <laughs> like, this is the sad state of our world, people. We got to fix this. And when I got to about year eleven, and I literally remember multiple people in my life, including teachers, telling me, 
my, my results were too good. I should be doing uh, something more. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad I found my way back to it. But mm. And I love studying law and that's important and I have mm. lots of lawyer friends and they're decent people. But um, <laughs> ultimately, uh, yeah, teaching is fantastic and anyone should be doing it i love that though you highlighted such an issue in the system as well i had a very sorry no i had a similar experience as well where i was just getting like pushed in directions by careers counselors and teachers and yeah they're telling you what you should do based on your results or based on your ability yeah and then not a sign of a not a sign of a well society (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right second question what are your two top values you can only choose two God, but also I hate talking about myself and what I, <laughs> I guess they can be what I aspire You could just like take be. it from the title and be like equity and education. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Giving great. you an out here. Yeah. Let's go with equity. Thank you. I will go with, <laughs> no, I think I do have a very yeah. innate sense of fairness. Like Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I once was staying in a hostel in Chicago, I think it was, with some friends and they were like. I don't know, being loud and carrying on and I they called me hall monitor Tim. So I just think like even in real I'm just <laughs> motivated by what is fair for everyone and right for everyone. But anyway. <laughs> Fairness yep. and I would say service. Yeah. I do aspire to um yeah contribute what I can yep. to to the people around me. I yeah. love that. Mm. Um, the third one's a bit silly, so I hope oh you're ready God. for a silly question. Sure. Um, if you were going to have a boxing fight, what would be your walkout <laughs> song? <laughs> this question really gets everyone. <laughs> uh, the you... immediate thing that comes to mind is like, I will survive by Gloria Gaynor. Oh, like, yeah. I'm hoping this is a real theatrical boxing fight. Like, yeah. I don't know, what's that? Glow, like glow themed. <laughs> like, do, do you like that show? I haven't actually watched it. Oh, but you I should actually... watch it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. But anyway. Yeah, but I, I have a visual and I yeah, think, okay, you know, fine. you can definitely have a glow boxing fire. That's fine. Thanks. <laughs> and well, I like that's your choice. But anyway, let's do, I can do glow boxing. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Look, to be fair, when I did have my boxing fight, um, my mum was kind of hoping that it was like, you know, imitation wrestling style. <laughs> like, she's like, it's fake, isn't it? It's <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> um, next question. If you could collaborate with anyone in the field... Dead or alive? Oh, wow. Yeah, who would it be? Oh, like it'd have to be free air. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, people at home. If, anyway, pedagogy of the oppressed, critical consciousness, all that vibe. Yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> or James Baldwin. Kind of tangential. Anyway, let's stop. But <laughs> free air or James Baldwin. If somebody can conjure them up for me, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. The last question is um, a fairly big one, but you've touched on some ideas already, so I'm not sure where you want to take it. Um, But if you could make one recommendation for everyone to take as a step towards healing, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Really good. I don't know. As somebody who's been therapized quite extensively, like I just think whether you create the space for yourself internally know writing mm. whether you create the space for other people just to acknowledge the feelings mm. and what's going on yeah like i think we rush we want to rush to like solutions and diagnoses mm. but ultimately i think probably yeah re- 
really critical part of the journey. I'm sure there's probably some actual psycho like <laughs> psychiatry <laughs> science behind this, but I think that from my experience, acknowledging what's going on and just normalizing that and naming it and sitting in it is really important. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's certainly what we're aspiring to do and create spaces to do with yeah. the alliance because. There's some stuff to acknowledge. Mm, I love that. No, I think that that's a great recommendation. So, Tim, it's been a pleasure to have you come in and do this episode. Um, If people do want to become involved in the Alliance, how do they go about it? Easiest way, just we have a website, educationequityalliance.com.au, and there's a... Uh, way to contact us or to join our mailing list on there so yeah love to hear from people there'll also be a link to that in the show notes as well so we'll cover it easier (laughs) all right thanks so much (laughs) thanks megan thank you wonderful listeners for making it right to the end of the podcast we appreciate you if you like what you hear feel free to subscribe give us a rating we'll be dropping a new episode roughly once per fortnight so you can stay tuned for the next one thank you